0: Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. Hello, I'm Marcus Buckland. Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. The new season kicked off in style this weekend and the special one is back.
1: I know they love me. That's one of the reasons why I'm back and I could say yes to Mr
0: Abramovich. The new men in Manchester have hit the ground running.
1: I think we
2: are manager of Manchester United. The job is to win the games. For me, the most important thing is the way my team
3: played the 90 minutes. We must continue the same way.
0: And it was a baptism of fire for the league's newest recruits. It was always going to be a difficult afternoon afternoon for us and make no mistake the first half hour was very uncomfortable.
2: It's a bit been clinical we are finishing. They had won in the second half we had one in the second half
4: and they scored and the we Just a bit disappointing same old I think. We got to learn very very quickly
0: Alongside me is former Republic of Ireland midfielder Matt Holland as we look back on a compelling opening weekend of the season. We're also joined by Southampton midfielder James Ward-Prowse after their 1-0 win at West Brom. Former Chelsea midfielder Pat Nevin is with us to discuss the Jose Mourinho effect at Stamford Bridge and we speak to a crystal Palace season ticket holder about the buoyant atmosphere at Selhurst Park on Sunday. Hello and welcome back to the official Barclays Premier League podcast and hello to Matt. Hello, how are we doing? Very good. New season, new wave of star players gracing the Barclays Premier League. Which ones impressed you most over the course of the first weekend?
1: Probably those uh, Manchester City, if I'm honest. I thought they were excellent. Uh, Navas brought with to a team that really lacks it. Last season at Man City I thought they played very narrow, they needed someone to stay out wide and put balls into the box and I thought he was excellent and Fernandinho in in midfield I thought showed great energy, up and down the pitch, breaking play up and then always looking forward to drive his team on. So I thought those two were were outstanding, I mean it's great to see so many new faces in the Barclays Premier League but I thought Man City and those two in particular started us off brilliantly.
0: Well we'll talk more about City shortly but we'll begin at an emotional Stamford Bridge where Jose Mourinho marked the start of his second spell at Chelsea with a comfort 2-0 win over newly promoted Hull City and it was almost as if he'd never been away.
1: Typical Mourinho performance quick out the blocks, got a couple of goals and then second half they sort of sat back a bit and got the job done and, and maybe reserved a
0: bit of energy for the midweek fixtures. Extended his unbeaten home league record at Chelsea to 61 the fans are obviously thrilled to have him back. Let's hear from the man himself who admits that the supporters were a big reason for him returning to the club.
1: I know they love me, that's one of the reasons why I'm back and I could I could say yes to Mr. Abramovich, but now is, uh, is my time to work for them and for them to support the team. I made the right move by, by coming back. I'm, I'm one of them, so I'm, I'm so pleased and so happy with that, but uh, I think it's enough. I need my team to be supported. I need them to sing my, my players' names. I need them to push Chelsea all the way. So enough Mourinho and come on Chelsea. <laughs>
0: A very satisfied, happy one. Pleased to say that we're joined on the line now by the former Chelsea midfielder, Pat Nevin, who was at the game on Sunday. Thanks for talking to us, Pat.
2: Hi, good morning.
0: Now, we knew he'd be welcomed back with open arms, but were you surprised at just how good the feel factor was on Sunday afternoon?
2: Um, Yeah, I was, because sometimes it takes the start of the game to get everyone going, but it, it was buzzing before that, all the way through the morning, the day, walking around, it was a lovely sunny day, and everyone was just incredibly, Happy who was wearing a blue shirt. Actually, funny enough, the whole City fans were pretty happy too because they were just happy to be there. But, uh, yeah, it was, what was intriguing was, you know, the emotion that was going around the place. Now, if you're not a Chelsea fan, you're probably a bit grumpy about all that sort of <laughs> loving that's going on. But for everyone involved in Chelsea, it was an emotional moment. This is the man. I mean, yes, you needed uh, Abramovich's money and he, he's been great. He's been 10 years there as well. But the man who kicked off Chelsea to be a world-class club was Jose Mourinho. There's no argument about that. And he's back in the fold. And I'll tell you what he's got not a bad team under
0: him already. It's a useful side to be able to choose uh, from. And of course, the contrast with last season, I mean, Rafa Benitez obviously did did a fantastic job in the end, but there was that division, wasn't there, amongst the fans. So do you really feel now that anything is possible because of the the happiness away from the pitch and, and the quality that you've mentioned on it?
2: There's no doubt whatsoever that if you've got a manager that's loved, you know, and there's a kind of peace around the club. It really helps if there's a really good vibe coming down from those stands there. If you're a player and everyone's behind you and there's a real buzz every time you get the ball and and they're roaring you on That's a massive help. So, of course, it makes a bit of a difference. So, that underlines your point that, yeah, the old manager did a really good job last season. I think it was a good season for Chelsea next season. But, you know, that almost wouldn't be enough now this season for uh, Jose Mourinho. Because Jose Mourinho, wherever he goes, he gets success and he gets serious success. In fact, I would argue that he's possibly the only manager in, in world football... Guarantees your success, guarantees your trophies.
1: Pat Matt Holland here. How you doing? Uh, Just on the game itself, I thought um, they were they were excellent going forward. Chelsea and particularly Oscar and Hazard. No one matter in the starting lineup. No David Luiz. He's injured. Where do those two? fit into Mourinho's plans are they his type of players
2: there have been a few rumours going around particularly oddly enough about Mata Luis is one that you can see doesn't look like a Mourinho player I mean as you will know we've chatted before I, I adore him I think he's a fabulous player I think a real world class player not always accepted within the UK that how good a player he is however Mata is the other one which you know raises a few eyebrows played a year twice in a row not in the starting lineup. yes he's missed part of pre-season he's had a little injury no, he's obviously played all the way through the summer but so has Oscar and it may well be that if someone does not get to the, the first team who's expected to get it it may well be matter I just hope there's a lot of suggestion down there and I think it's people putting two and two together and getting six that in comes Wayne Rooney and out goes Juan Mata up to United. I hope that doesn't happen because One Mata has done nothing wrong at Chelsea. He's had a great time. So I don't know where he'll fit in. Even the players like Schürrle has come in looks pretty good. There's no doubt that Kevin De Bruyne coming back looks absolutely fantastic as well. So... Is a space for him? Well, certainly one thing. There's not space for everyone.
0: <laughs> one man there's definitely going to be space for is Frank Lampard, Pat. Scored the goal, of course, missed the penalty, but quickly made amends for that. He's now played in his team's opening game of the season 18 times. That's more than any other player. I mean, in terms of professionalism, is there a, a better candidate than Frank Lampard?
2: It's, it's really hard to see any better than that. And remember that huge long run of games where he didn't actually miss any games in the mid-part of his career, which was absolutely extraordinary, particularly with Matt from a midfielder. You know, the amount of miles that are on the clock there are absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah, he's absolutely brilliant professional. I bumped into him on the way out of the game. We were sitting just beside the tunnel and we had a quick chat. And every player, it doesn't matter who you are, at the end of the first game of the season, you've been blowing. It's a gruelling test. And it was a warm day. And I said to Frank, I take it you were blowing a bit the last 20 minutes, and again, God, yeah, mate, absolutely gone there. And I said, well, don't worry, Frank, you felt like that when you were 21 in the first game of the season. And he seemed to take some sort of solace out of that. So He is a great professional. Don't worry, he'll be fine for another year.
0: He he was a a fantastic uh, example yet again at the weekend. Jose Mourinho has said that the club will try to sign a new striker until the transfer window closes. And of course, Wayne Rooney's name continues to be linked with the club. On Twitter, at Carvind has asked, would Chelsea be better with Rooney? What's your take on that, Pat?
2: Yes, he would have a positive impact. I've absolutely no doubt about that. His power and his pace and his skill would add something, and it's the sort of things that Jose Mourinho likes. Whether he would play in the midfield or up front, I would question that. Everyone seems to think he would be brought in if he was brought into Chelsea as a striker. I'm not convinced. Watching him for England uh, against Scotland last week, let's not talk about the result just now, please.
0: Oh, we um, can mention <laughs> that whenever we want, can't we, Pat? <laughs>
2: um, I have to say I wasn't over-impressed with him up front. I always think he was built to be a ten. And the problem with that with Chelsea is they've got a bit there already.
0: Mm, Yeah. Will be interesting next Monday, of course, Chelsea go to Manchester United. What role, if any, will Rooney have? And, And how significant, I know it's early in the season, but how significant do you feel that match could prove to be for both United and Chelsea?
2: I think if maybe Manchester United struggled a wee bit in the first game against Swansea, the pressure would have really started to build on David Moyes because it is an extraordinarily tough start to the season for Manchester United. But the fact that it started so well against Swansea, I think that gives them plenty of leeway and I think both teams in a way would accept a draw. Because, you know, for Chelsea, it's away from home. It would be pretty good. Chelsea's still a young team. People do forget that. And for Manchester United and David Moyes, it could just do with getting that one out of the way and not suffering any embarrassment. So, oddly enough, and usually, I think both would settle for a draw but we know for a fact that both will go for a win. It's going to be an absolute cracker of a game, but only one of a list of a number of fantastic games coming up. I mean, even before that, Chelsea having Aston Villa to visit and Aston Villa are my big pick to be the surprise team this season.
0: Oh, They've certainly started very encouragingly. Pat, fantastic to hear from you as always. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Pleasure. That is uh, Pat Nevin, hugely excited by the season ahead and and tipping Aston Villa to do well, and we'll talk more about them shortly. Matt, just a word about Hull, almost completely overlooked because of the mourinho turn and and no one was surprised to see them get beaten but do you think they were able to take one or two encouraging signs out of that match?
1: Yeah I thought so I mean it was like the Alamo for the first half an hour Uh, I actually saw Steve Bruce on holiday uh, this summer and he was under no illusions as to how difficult life was going to be back in the top flight Uh, and so it proved in that first half an hour they did better in the second half Huddleston coming on and Livermore are going to prove to be good players but it's going to be a difficult season for them no doubt about that.
0: Well at the Liberty Stadium David Moyes got off to that winning league start as Manchester United manager guiding his side to a very impressive 4-1 win over the League Cup holders, Swansea. And I guess he couldn't really have asked for a better start after such a a long build-up throughout the summer.
1: Big pressure on him coming into the game, particularly taking over from Sir Alex Ferguson. The fact that they haven't got any signings through the door as well. I think there was a lot of discontent that they hadn't got the Fabregas deal done. Thiago Alcantara was mentioned. He didn't happen. So without any signings, everyone was a little bit worried to see how Man United would do this season. They started off absolutely on fire and Robin Van Persie... I mean, excellent last week in the Community Shield and then continued that form this week in the, uh, in the Barclays Premier League. They were excellent. I thought the movement, the discipline, the defensive awareness of the side was top class. The organisation of the team was great. And what I loved most was actually when they conceded the goal, Wilfred Boney scored, the reaction of the players. You know, they wanted a clean sheet. Ferdinand and Vidic just turned around and berated their midfield players for making a mistake. It might have been Welbeck, I think, was dribbling it out, and they were just so distraught that they conceded a goal. And that's the attitude that they've got. They want to retain their title that they that they got last season.
0: Well, the United fans sang David Moyes' name throughout the match. Afterwards, he was asked if it was a relief to finally get his first game out of the way.
2: Uh, a little bit. Well, I think when you when you take this job, you know, but. Uh... Look, it's one game in 38, however many we play this season. And from that point of view, it's just the start for me. Long way to go. No big celebration. Well done. We've done a good job. As I said, this will be a really hard place for teams to come and win here at Swansea. And I think Swansea will get a good side and get a good squad. So uh, to come here and win was good.
0: Yeah, really good day for United, for RVP and for Danny Welbeck. And Wayne Rooney came on and had a hand in a couple of goals as well. We've already heard what Pat's had to say about his future. If you were David Moyes, would you want to keep him? Or is it clear from his body language at the weekend that he needs to go?
1: Body language wasn't good. You know, when you see United scoring those those two goals and he hit Wayne Rooney not celebrating with the rest of the team. But I think from David Moyes' point of view, you, you saw the contribution he had when he came on. The run he made for Van Persie's second goal, the turn and the ball through for Welbeck's goal. He's got a great goal-scoring record himself. I think that David Moyes is, is desperate to keep him.
0: Yeah, uh, and in terms of bringing players in, United are still looking. A £28 million bid at the start of this week for Fellaini and Baines, described as derisory by Everton. Has that one going to play out
1: he knows the players very well and I think he'd like them both at Old Trafford uh, David Moyes we're talking about now how much is it going to cost to get them I don't know I mean 35 Plus and Even then that might not be enough. You know, Everton will be keen to keep them. They're their best two players. It's no surprise that David Moyes has gone for them.
0: As far as Swansea are concerned, huge contrast to their opening game of last season when they won 5-0 at Queen's Park Rangers but they actually had a really good start to the match. Do you think that this is just a little blip and that they're going to enjoy another good season?
1: Yeah, I think they've got European competition this season as well which gives them a slight distraction if you like but he has added to the squad. I think John Joe Shelby, someone who I played with at Charlton, is a, is a really good signing. Very good technically and someone that uh, will fit into that Swansea team brilliantly. Boney will add goals and, and Michu, I thought his performance again was outstanding. And it's no surprise that there's one or two clubs looking at you and I'm sure that Lager will be absolutely desperate to keep hold of him before that window shuts because it wouldn't surprise me if, if one or two came knocking for him. But I think there were signs in that game that Swansea are still going to be absolutely fine and Pat Nevin talked about Aston Villa being a dark horse. I think Swansea are as well. I think that the way they play is very exciting and uh, they've got plenty of goals in the team.
0: Well, on Monday night, it was a case of anything that David Moyes can do. I can do better for the new Manchester City boss, Manuel Pellegrini, as his side cruised past 10-man Newcastle, 4-0, of course, the final score at the Etihad. Let's hear from the man they call the engineer.
3: For me, the most important thing is the way my team played the 90 minutes. We didn't play one way when we were winning 2-0. We tried to play football. I'm very happy to be, to be here. I really enjoyed the match, the, the people, our fans, the, the way they enjoy they enjoyed the, the game. So it's a very good start. We must continue the same way.
0: Well, you mentioned at the start of the show that one or two of those City players really caught your eye. Right. It couldn't have been a better beginning for Pellegrini, could it?
1: No, great start, great victory. One downside, losing Vincent Company to injury, you know, particularly the stars out as well you know he's been linked with center halves throughout the summer and, and they haven't been able to bring one in so that's an area of concern for them but going forward they were absolutely sensational you know some of the interplay the movement of the team i thought navas on the right hand side was great he's got great pace not just gets to the byline but he picks a man out as well you know he finds a cross going forward i thought they were exceptional
0: For Newcastle, a heaviest opening day defeat for almost 20 years. Alan Pardew fuming afterwards, left Johan Kabai out of the side following Arsenal's £10 million bid for him. First of all, was that the right thing to do? And secondly, can you understand where Pardew's coming from when he says the transfer window should be closed before the season starts, so this sort of unsettling thing can't happen?
1: Yes, I totally agree with him. I think that it is unsettling. The team they played, Manchester City, they got their business done very, very early. What they were able to do to integrate their players throughout pre-season, play them to get them to understand the formation, the way they want to play, get to know their teammates better, go on pre-season trips with them and and, uh, bond as a unit together. The transfer window now, it's it's unsettled. Kabai now perhaps wants to move and I can understand him leaving him
0: out. And of course, the problem with the transfer window is that you've got to get every European league aligned if you're going to change that. Well, a couple of home games for Newcastle against West Ham and Fulham coming up, but is it going to be a a long, hard campaign for the Magpies?
1: It's going to be tough. I think that they're a club that would like to spend some money bring some players in to try and add to the squad they did so in January which I think saved their season if you like, he's brought Loic Remy in but he's the only one they've been able to to get over the line and I think they need reinforcements, I think they need to to, uh, strengthen the squad, I do worry about them I I worry about the situation as well with Joe Kinnear as the director of football and Alan Pardew as as the manager as to who's making the decisions and it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out.
0: It will, Uh, well coming up we'll be speaking to the Southampton midfielder James Ward-Prowse and hearing from Nasser Chadley and Ian Holloway You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Marcus Buckland. Now, as we've already mentioned in the show, the opening weekend demonstrated how the game is being played the right way with moments that define the spirit of football. If you see something that you want to celebrate, a player perhaps applauding the fans, a coach who's dedicated year after year to a youth team, or even the person who's been cutting the oranges at your local club for years, well, you can tweet those moments too at Barclays Footy with the hashtag YouAreFootball or post them on the Barclays Football Facebook page. And talking of tweets, well, here are a couple to get things going. Michael Carrick decent performance. Room for improvement but good start. This of course after the win at Swansea. Got the ball rolling again nice to be back. Support top draw as usual. And Steven Gerrard has tweeted his top 10 free kick specialists of all time and that is well worth checking out to see if you agree. Now perhaps the shock of the weekend took place at the Emirates on Saturday when Aston Villa came back from a goal down to record a superb 3-1 win over Arsenal. Before we talk about the Gunners let's focus on Villa who's Seem to have picked up from where they left off at the end of last season. Here's their proud manager, Paul Lambert. I thought we were magnificent after that first initial 15-minute period where we conceded a, a poor goal, and um, after that, I thought we were outstanding. Our counter-attack play was fantastic. i won the whole. It's as good as solo performance I've seen for many, many years. No matter what team Arsenal you, you play against, the right top side was a mammoth game for us, and um, I'm pretty sure up and down the country, everybody would have thought Arsenal
4: have won the game but we came here and we had a belief that we could get something but the way we done it and the way we played I thought we were excellent.
0: Were Villa really good or were Arsenal just really bad? No, I thought Villa were
1: very good. I think they deserve uh, recognition for their performance. They did start off slowly in the first 10 minutes. I thought Arsenal were the better side. But after that, the energy from Aston Villa was sensational. El Amadi and Fabian Delph in midfield got about Arsenal and what they did was play on the front foot. Arsenal were content to try and play the ball around, but Aston Villa was snapping at their heels and winning the ball back in really good areas and then they counter so well. Paul Lambert mentioned Agbon Lahore. His pace caused Arsenal a, th- a problem all afternoon. He won was excellent. Likewise, Benteke, you know, he's made a few signings this this summer, Paul Lambert. The energy that the Aston Villa side showed was a problem for Arsenal all day.
0: Yeah, well, Benteke's now scored seven goals in his last eight Barclays Premier League appearances. Six new signings, gelling in nicely. Of course, they spent the whole of last season in the bottom half of the table, but Pat Nevin has mentioned, watch out for them. Where do you think they can finish the year? This is one game. You can't always judge after after one match.
1: There's a bit of business to be done before that transfer window shuts and, and teams will try and strengthen before then. But it's a great start for them. I think they'd be looking at mid-table and above.
0: It was Arsenal's first home defeat on the opening day for 20 years and Arsene Wenger knows the supporters deserve better.
4: Look, I want our fans to be happy and proud of their team and uh, when we lose at home, of course, uh, I just can't be sorry. We have to bounce back and uh, make them happy in our next game. Look, we are there to buy players. Uh, If we find the right players, we do it. I'm not the only one working on that, and uh, it's not my money, it's the money of the club, you know, and we are ready uh, to spend it when we find the right players. So we are a team who works, uh, focused on that, and uh, I believe as well uh, we could have won the game today with the players who were on the pitch, and that is the most important to focus on.
0: Well, Jack Wilshire also acknowledged afterwards that the fans deserve better. It's harping back to what we've been talking about, the spirit of the game. Remember, hashtag you are or at Barclays footy. If you hear something from a player or a manager that strikes a chord with you, and the big question is, is he going to spend some money and who's he going to spend the money on? Good question. I think
1: he, he's tried to spend money, um, Arsene Wenger. I think he's, uh, he went for Higuain and it looked as though that deal was done. And by all accounts, it was and then Real Madrid wind of Napoli being interested and up what they were asking for him. So that fell out of bed. Uh, Wayne Rooney, he's quite keen on, I think. Luis Suarez, he's made a big bid for, but Liverpool aren't keen to sell to a a rival for that Champions League spot. Gustavo, another one, a holding midfield player who I'm not sure how much he bid, but Wolfsburg gazumped him. And and so he has tried to get players in, but perhaps he's not tried hard enough or or been willing to spend the money. I I get the impression with Arsene Wenger that he's got a value on every player and he'll only go to that value. Sometimes you have to spend a little bit more to get these deals done think they need to strengthen throughout the spine of the team. He needs to spend, but he's only got a couple of weeks to, to try and find the players to help them.
0: Yeah, and of course, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain could be out for up to six months with injury as well. I mean, the bottom line, the side on Saturday was identical to the team which finished the last match of the season at Newcastle. Champions League qualifier coming up as well. I mean, you, the mind boggles should the results go wrong against Fenerbahce.
1: Well, it certainly won't help them in the next couple of weeks to, to attract players if they're out of the Champions League. You know, when you look at the Arsenal squad, they've lost, I mean, like 17 players from last season and, and probably of those played apart last year so they've lost a big chunk of their squad and if you're trying to fight on all fronts and in all competitions you need that depth to your squad they haven't got that
0: Well, on Sunday, Crystal Palace kicked off their return to the Barclays Premier League with a narrow 1-0 defeat at home to Spurs. New £26 million man Roberto Soldado doing the damage with a penalty on his debut. First of all, how impressed were you with Tottenham's record signing?
1: I thought he did okay. I don't think it was probably his best performance. It might take him a little bit of time to settle, but it's an area that Spurs needed to strengthen, and I think in time he will prove to be a a good buy. Certainly took the penalty very well. So I think he, he did okay. but it was a good performance. From Spurs, solid, defensively strong. Welcome to
0: the Premier League for Crystal Palace. Yeah, well, in contrast to Arsenal, Spurs had several new players in their lineup. Another of those was the 7.5 million pound capture from FC Twenty, Nasser Chadley.
4: Yeah, I really enjoyed. it I think it was a nice game. A lot of chances for us. We have to kill the the game earlier. But uh, the most important is the three points today. And uh, I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's quicker than uh, in Holland, but I like uh, the way uh, we play. We play quicker forward. That's why we create uh, chances, and uh, it's too bad it's uh, only uh, 1-0 today.
0: Yes, in the end, it was perhaps a narrower win than it could have been. And of course, no Gareth Bale. Have Spurs fans now got to accept that whatever happens is going to happen without their talisman from last season?
1: Probably. Gareth Bale would like to move. It's a fantastic opportunity for him to go to one of the world's leading clubs in Real Madrid. But it's not done and dusted. I think that the owners of Spurs have got a lot of money. You know, I know they've spent big this summer. And I think if they can keep Gareth Bale, they've got genuine title
0: aspirations. I really do. Well, here's an interesting stat. Since the 1st of January 2013, that win was only the second time that Spurs had picked up three points when Gareth Bale hadn't scored. The only other time was against Stoke back on the 12th of May. As for Crystal Palace and their manager Ian Holloway, well, it was a tough opening day experience against talented opposition.
4: Just a bit disappointing, same old, I think, to be fair. I think uh, my team started a little bit tentative, a little bit nervous, particularly with the ball. We're normally much better than that, but um, grew into the game, did much better second half, and... Um, Unfortunately, we, uh, the chance we did create at the end, we didn't actually take, you know, and KG's got a good chance there at the end. Good strike, good save, and no one was following up. I think, uh, you know, we got, we got to learn very, very quickly.
0: And well, that's the Palace manager, Ian Holloway. Let's have a word with uh, a Palace supporter now, season ticket holder, Alex White, who was at Selhurst Park on Sunday. Alex, forgetting the result just for a moment, it did seem as though there was a, a fantastic atmosphere at the ground, and the fans were still singing even after you'd lost the game.
3: I think that's the thing with Palace fans. We've been through a lot over the last sort of years with administration and manager changes and money issues. So we've sort of galvanised as a group and... We really carried the players a lot last season as fans and as long as they give 100% we'll back them and we sang a song there that we sing when we win at the end of the game to just thank the players because they gave it their all and that's all we can ask of the players.
0: Well you've got a manager of course who who likes to be a little gung-ho as we saw when Blackpool were in the Premier League under Ian Holloway. Do you think the experience that he gained during that year could prove significant for you?
3: I think so, obviously. The exposure to the Premier League obviously enhanced them as a manager. But I was quite surprised, actually, by the, the formation and the tactics we went with. It was a bit more tentative than usual and a bit more defensive. But I think that's sort of down to lack of wide players that we actually have and can't replace Wilfred Zahar and Yannick Balassi and Jerome Thomas are out injured. So I'm expecting a bit more of more attacking football to come. But I was quite surprised, actually, like most people, how, how sort of defensive we were.
1: Do you think you've got enough firepower because obviously you brought Dwight Gale in, Shamak's arrived, you've got Kevin Phillips there, who's the oldest swinger in town, but missed out on Darren Bent, which was a bit of a blow to you. But do you think you've got enough firepower to stay up?
3: I think if we can start playing some, some right football, and I think Shamak when he came on, actually looked pretty dangerous. And I think for us, he's certainly more than good enough. And I think he can get us 10, 15 goals in this league. And then Gail, I think, proved last year that he'll get on the end of everything. I think it's that man in midfield to put that final ball in that we're going to lack. You know, we're going to lack a Wilfred Zaha who's going to beat his man and cross the ball. I think that's the bit where we're going to miss.
0: Alex, I remember several years ago going out to Anfield and going in with the Palace fans, and Palace lost 5-0 that day, and... The supporters sang their hearts out throughout. So whatever happens over the next 10 months, can we expect to see Palace fans enjoying themselves and and cheering their team on no matter what you may endure and experience along the way?
3: Being in administration actually makes you realise how much you enjoy watching your club. And waking up one morning and not knowing whether your club's going to survive or fold is is a very scary thought. So every moment we have, we just cherish because you don't know what you've got until you lost it. We know what the players are going to give for us. We know what the board are going to give. We know what the manager is going to give. We're all on the same wavelength. We want to help the players as much as we can and create that 13th man.
0: We wish you all the best. Enjoy it, whatever happens, and, and thanks for talking to us.
3: Thank you very much.
0: That is Crystal Palace season ticket holder Alex White. Now, still to come, we'll be speaking exclusively to James Ward-Prowse and hearing from Brendan Rodgers, Roberto Martinez and Sam Allardyce. I'm Marcus Buckland alongside Matt Holland as we review the opening weekend of the season. Time now for our half-time Tweets. Yes, it's that time of the show where we go through the best tweets of the week from those closest to the Barclays Premier League and we'll begin with a couple of debut tweets. Chelsea's new signing, André Schurl, said after his first appearance, Thank you for this welcome. I'm proud that I made my debut and with a great win. Hashtag great day. After Aston Villa's new acquisition, Antonio Luna scored late on against Arsenal. He tweeted, I'm very happy. Thank you very much to the Villa fans for their support. Hashtag vamos Villa with about 10,000 A's. Manchester City's Sergio Aguero was delighted with the win over Newcastle. He said, I really wanted to play again and doing it like this with a team winning a goal and so much support from MCFC people made it even better. And finally, the Wimbledon 2013 tennis champion Andy Murray tweeted during Swansea's defeat to Manchester United Wilfred Bonney's legs are not small, he's got great boots as well. Hashtag old school. And remember, you can keep up to date with what's going on in the Barclays Premier League by following at Barclaysfooty on Twitter. What a Saturday season curtain raiser at Anfield next, where Liverpool edge past an Azmir Begovic-inspired Stoke 1-0. Here's the assessment of the Reds manager, Brendan Rodgers. That was a great performance from us and obviously a big credit to Stoke and to Mark. Obviously they've come here and played well, they're a strong team, they got some outstanding players and it's always, always a difficult game. There'll be games like that where we need to dig in deep and I think we demonstrated the spirit within the group. So uh, absolutely delighted for the players. There's so much written about the club and everything over the course of the summer but they've showed their focus and concentration has been purely on getting results and, and that was a terrific result for us. Well, they created a lot of chances, but of course ultimately needed a superb last-minute Simon Mignolet penalty save to secure the points. So it was a strange game in some ways,
1: wasn't it? It was, because Liverpool should have been out of sight, really. Begovic in, in the Stoke goal was, was superb. I thought Coutinho for, for Liverpool was great. Daniel Sturridge was excellent as well. Since he's arrived, I think he's scored 11 or 12 goals, and that's going to be very important, particularly if Luis Suarez isn't at the football club for too much longer. He's missing for the first six games anyway, so they're, they're going to need to find goals from throughout the side it was a really good performance from Liverpool a few nervy moments from the goalkeeper Mignolet on debut certainly in the first 20 minutes he came for a few crosses and, and uh, didn't quite collect them but he's a great shot stopper and so it proved he earned them a valuable three points in the end with a great save down mm. to his right
0: and what do you think Mark Hughes' assessment of his first game in charge of Stoke will be?
1: Worried I, I really do feel that last season I thought they had a real lack of goals and he hasn't been able to add anything to the team in that respect so I, I think he will be worried again lack of signings at, at Stoke as well I know he's been trying to get players in but he hasn't been able to do it and they're a team that could struggle this season.
0: Well to another manager making his league debut now Roberto Martinez whose Everton side played out a really entertaining 2-2 draw at free spending Norwich. Was that a fair result over the 90 minutes?
1: Yeah it looked it. I mean, Norwich have have certainly spent big this summer. I think they felt that goals were a problem for them last year but they've tried to add. I mean Gary Hooper wasn't involved at the weekend injured Van Walswinkle was and, and he got himself on the score sheet. For Everton Ross Barkley coming into the team looked impressive. I saw him last year on loan at Sheffield for Wednesday a couple of times saw him at Ipswich actually scored a couple of goals he must like East Anglia but he looks a good player and um, someone that's going to be a big asset for Everton this season so yeah it looks a fair result both teams going at it and uh, an
0: entertaining game Well Roberto Martinez was particularly impressed with the contribution of 19-year-old Ross Barkley
4: He's been like that throughout the pre-season he's an enormous talent and obviously He's the first one that he knows that he is a good listener, he wants to learn quickly, but he's got that raw talent that allows you to, to be important for the team. So delighted with his attitude and, and the way that he took his goal and the way he worked extremely hard for the team throughout the, the whole game.
0: Yeah, he's got some talented youngsters, Seamus Coleman as well. But, of course, he, he's got this Fellaini and Bain shadow <laughs> hanging over the place at the moment. So it's going to be a, a tough first couple of months for Martinez at goodison isn't it? Well,
1: it is. And actually, the team he played at Norwich was very much David Moyes' team from last year. He brought Kone in and he came in off the bench in this game. But generally, it was it was the same sort of team that had played David Moyes' team from last season. So he'll be hoping for these two weeks to go quite quickly and that Baines and Fellaini is still at the football club.
0: Another impressive 19-year-old at that game was Nathan Redmond of Norwich. Of course, Ricky Van Wolfswinkel was the man everyone was talking about. £8.5 million signing. Got the equaliser later on. Had just 12 touches in 90 minutes. Now, that's the fewest in six years in the Barclays Premier League. But I guess if you score an equaliser towards the end, it doesn't matter how many touches you had before. that. manager won't care.
1: He really <laughs> won't care. I've played with players. I mean, even Darren Bent, who we've, we've already mentioned, he's someone that generally doesn't get involved in, in the build-up play. He tries to, to stand on the last man, trying to get in behind. He's not worried about missing chances. He'll take his third or his fourth chance. And he's he's someone that won't have loads and loads of touches. Other players like to come deep. Wayne Rooney, Van Persie come into midfield and link play. There's certain players that play their football in the 18-yard box.
0: And if you're scoring goals, the manager won't care how many touches you have. (laughs) It's all that counts when you're a striker. At Upton Park, West Ham kicked off their season in style. Comfortable 2-0 win over newly promoted Cardiff, thanks to well-taken goals from Joe Cole and Kevin Nolan. So pretty impressive stuff from one of your former teams.
1: Yeah, I thought uh, it's going to be a tough place to go, West Ham. You know, Sam Allardyce is he's, he's one of those that, again, doesn't really care how many touches his team have. And in terms of possession, they'll probably have less than the opposition on, in most matches, but they play their football in the opposition half. You now, he has a way of playing, which is, you know, absolutely fine, but he's still got technically good players as well. You know, Jarvis, he's brought down in. Andy Carroll wasn't playing in this game, but if, if he's got players to put the ball into the box and create chances, they're going to be uh, a difficult proposition, and he'll be looking to kick on from what they did last season. But a good start for West Ham, definitely.
0: Well, Big Sam was particularly pleased with the second-half debut of new signing Stuart Downing.
3: Yeah, he got a great reception from the fans and then all of a sudden he, he showed what he could do within the space of just a few minutes. And, of course, Stuart Downing is playing against a very young player at Cardiff and they're, and they're tiring and you've got a Stuart Downing getting the ball to his feet and running at him. So in that short period of time, I think he showed what he could do, both in terms of possession of the ball, dribbling, crossing ability. So I think he's going to be a great addition, like I said. Great day for everybody and uh, the opposite side that, a clean sheet. You hear us managers going about them all the time to so start with zero against and two goals. is a fantastic day for
0: us. Yeah, Downing delivers some delicious crosses with both his right and his left foot. So when Carroll is fit, you sense that could be a, a really good combination. Definitely. And, and Jarvis
1: could play potentially on the other wing as well. You've got two players who are more than happy to put the ball into the box at every opportunity and Andy Carroll should love that.
0: Cardiff didn't manage a shot on target in their first appearance in the top flight since 1962. So is it going to be a, a very long, hard season for Malky Mackay's man,
1: I think any team that gets promoted knows how difficult it is in, in the Barclays Premier League. They were missing their big money signing up front, Cornelius, but they have spent money. I think Stephen Corker will be a good signing for them at centre-half. Medellin midfield is, is a tigerish midfield player. He'll get about opposition players. I think of the three promoted sides, I think that they're the ones that might do OK, um, but it wasn't the best of starts and, and not, no, you're not having a shot on goal is uh, not something that Malky Mackay will be too proud about.
0: No. Uh, one interesting set um, about Cardiff before we move on, Welsh club, of course. They've got the most English players in their Barclays Premier League first team squad 16 Wow see that. see how that works yeah exactly <laughs> well another club with their fair share of England players is Southampton who got their season off to a superb start with a 1-0 win at West Brom to discuss that match in more depth I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line now by the Southampton midfielder James Ward Prowse thanks for joining us James
4: that's all right no worries
0: now what a fantastic start to the season that win must have put a spring in everyone's step
4: yeah definitely um, you know I think it's, it's important in, a, in any league, in any division, to obviously go off to a winning start. And now obviously, to go to a hard place like West Brom, get the three points and put in a real good team performance was a bonus. So, you know, we've, we've got a good start for sure.
0: Of course, Ricky Lambert scored the winner, capping the perfect few days for him after that goal on his England debut against Scotland. All a far cry from when he worked in a beetroot factory. How, how big an influence is he in the dressing room?
4: Yeah, he's massive, you know, he's the main man for us, you know, he's the talisman up front, he scores all the goals for us and he's a real good figure to be around and and for us youngsters coming through to look up to someone like him and seeing what he's done in the last week or two has really inspired us to go on and do well.
0: Well, he's flying and so's the club, of course, just after the win, the announcement that you've broken your club transfer record again, bringing in Pablo Osvaldo, who looks to be quite a character. Do you know much about him?
4: Um, No, I don't know. I've I've obviously researched him and and, and watched the press conference yesterday. But, you know, he he looks a real good player and and I think a great addition to the squad. Um, And I think it's it's what we've needed to improve our squad and and hopefully kick on up the league.
0: And James, you were one of three English 18-year-olds who started on Saturday alongside Luke Shaw and Callum Chambers. must be really encouraging for you that Maurizio Pochettino clearly believes it's so important to have good English players coming through the ranks as well as the big-name talent from abroad.
4: Yeah, definitely. I think um, obviously, you know, it's nice to see that the manager's put his faith in us. But also the chairman, you know, he, he spends a lot of time making sure that the youth system's right. And obviously, it's paying off for us. I think it's great to see um, the likes of Callum and Luke, who I've been with since I was nine years old, going out and playing on the biggest stage in the world. So yeah, and, you know, it's a real, it's a real good thing.
0: You've had a busy summer, played in all three of England's matches at the Under-20 World Cup in Turkey. Do you still feel fit enough for the challenges of the next ten months ahead?
4: Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a really active person, and, and you know, I, I love football. So much that, you know, I'm I'm willing to carry on and, and enjoy the training and the matches to come, you know. So, you know, I'm going to embrace this and try and kick on from last year.
0: Yeah, really exciting times for you. We, we've had a Twitter question from at CJ Orgard who wants to know what is the highlight of your career so far?
4: Probably my my debut at Manchester City, you know, the day that will stand out in my memory forever, you know, playing at the home of the champions, live on telly in front of thousands of people, something that, you know, I've always wanted to do as a youngster, so that's probably my highlight so far.
0: And every chance of more highlights uh, over the course of the coming season. Tell me something about the manager. What's he like to work with and, and what's his English like behind the scenes?
4: definitely improved. I mean, it was a bit of a struggle at the start. Um, the use of his translator was, was more frequent, but now that's dropped off. He gets the best out of you. He really shows his belief and his encouragement. He's really enthusiastic around the training ground and, and gets you going. So he's definitely got the best out of every single player here.
0: And after that, very good start at the weekend. You've got a home match against Paolo Decanio Sunderland coming up. So without trying to sound too overconfident, it, it's a very promising opportunity to make it six points out of six, isn't it?
4: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's important for us to win the home games. I think they're, they're the most important games. And, you know, we'll take a lot of confidence into that game, obviously, from, from getting the 1-0 win away against West Brom. So we'll definitely be up for it. And I'm sure if the fans get behind us, we'll be, we'll be right at it.
0: And are you the sort of player to make specific targets for yourself and for the team? What are your thoughts and um, ambitions as far as the season ahead is concerned, James?
4: On a personal note, I'd obviously like to get more appearances and starts. Obviously I've had a good start to the season by getting my first start under my under my name, but obviously I wanna continue that. I don't wanna be in and out of the team. I wanna sort of nail down a specific spot. Team wise I think obviously we won a better last year. We picked up towards the end of the season and I think we're gonna we're gonna carry that on and, and try and kick up the league.
0: Well it's been a hugely encouraging start. Thank you so much for talking to us and good luck for the season ahead.
4: That's right. Thank you
0: very much. That is James Ward-Prowse, Southampton, off to a flyer. Ricky Lambert. What a, a great couple of weeks. Broken their transfer record for the second time. So they're giving the manager money. These are exciting times on the south coast, Matt, aren't they? Extremely exciting
1: times. I think um, you know Ricky Lambert. What a what a couple of weeks he's had. Fantastic penalty as well. I, mean, I think he's someone that deserved his opportunity for England. You know, he's not the most mobile in terms of running the channels and stuff, but he holds the ball up really well. And he allows players to to get past him. You know, Rodriguez and Lalana, the like to run beyond and get him behind so I think it works well Wanyama coming in is is a good signing. So I think that, that Southampton will be uh, looking to do better than they did last year, definitely.
0: West Brom had a great year last year, of course. More points in the top flight than ever before. So this is a little bit of a stumble. Do you think Steve Clark has got the personnel to make sure they do the business again?
1: I think losing Lukaku is a big issue for them. I think he had such an impact for them last year. To lose him and the amount of goals he scored is going to be difficult. Yes, Anilk has come in, but different players. You know, Lukaku's a bit stronger, if you like, and, and more direct and, and more imposing as a centre-forward. Shane Long can potentially do that, but perhaps isn't the most natural of finishers, so maybe won't score as many goals as Lukaku. Vidra's come in as well, which I think is a good sign-in, but they perhaps lack that physical element. And they've also got to try and match up to what they did last year, and sometimes expectations have risen because of, of what they did. So I think it will be more difficult for them.
0: Well, rounding off the weekend's matches, we'll head to the Stadium of Light, where Sunderland went down to a disappointing 1-0 home defeat to Fulham. And manager Paolo Di Canio feels his side needs to be more clinical in front of goal.
1: And the last opponent third, we have to be nasty, ferocious. Otherwise, it's difficult. We can't go inside the goal uh, carrying the ball there. We need to go in a way there like we did in the last 25 minutes. Delivery, attack the 60th box like if it's the last ball of uh, your life. If we don't do this, uh, we are... We're gonna have a difficulty. It's the only the first game, but we have to make sure that uh, the player uh, understand what's going on in this league. Otherwise, it can be difficult.
0: Well, they've won just two of their last 16 Barclays Premier League games. They were, you know, certainly in terms of the stats, the better team at the weekend. 20 shots on goal, five debutants as well. So, of course, it's going to take a little while to gel. But that home form has been poor for too long, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it has. I mean, Fulham's away record isn't particularly good, and yet they they managed to come away with the victory. Sunderland did dominate the game. You know, they'll feel hard done by. They've got no points from the match they were the better side sometimes it does take a little while when you're trying to change the team so much and that can be difficult for them to try and adjust to the league as well as anything else so I think they'll um, under Di Canio certainly have the right attitude You know, I know playing with him but he was one of the most hard-working players I've ever ever played with. He was the first one on the training field, the last one off it, back in the gym, and he's got very high standards now that players are going to have to match up to what he's asking for them, or they'll be quickly shipped out.
0: Yeah, well, he's signed 10 players, and he said after that defeat that he wants to sign five more. So it's a, a real evolutionary process at Sunderland at the moment. Scott Park has just joined Fulham, and obviously a win like that, as you say, their away form is poor. So this is presumably going to give Martin Yole and co. a lot of encouragement. Yeah,
1: it will, definitely. And um, yeah, he's brought Scott Park... Parker and Darren Bent, two players I know very well, I mean Scott Parker I think is a great signing you know, there's a few clubs in for him, he probably wasn't going to play as much as he would have liked at, at Spurs and he's someone that won't be happy sat on the bench, he, he wants to be playing week in week out and I think he can have a big impact at Fulham and also the partnership of Berbatov and Darren Bent could be great as well, two players that should complement each other really well
0: mm, and the one downside an injury to their new goalkeeper Martin Stecklenburg, hopefully he'll be fit again sooner rather than later Right, let's uh, take a quick look at this weekend's Barclays uh, Premier League fixtures which one stand out for you? The
1: juiciest game is Man United versus Chelsea uh, on the Monday night. I think that's... Um... Going to be a cracker. The three new managers, Moyes, Mourinho and Pellegrini, all got off to flying starts and two of them come up against each other at Old Trafford. So I think that's the one that stands out and whoever wins it will be making a big statement.
0: Just looking at the newly promoted teams, Hull at home to Norwich, Crystal Palace at Stoke, Cardiff at home to Manchester City. All those teams, of course, looking to get their first goal and uh, hopefully their first set of points. A few more questions for you, Matt, just with yes or no answers. Can Arsenal bounce back at Craven Cottage? Yes, Will Spurs continue to cope without Gareth Bale at home to Swansea? Yes. Can Ricky Lambert continue his goal-scoring form against Sunderland? Yes. (laughs) And will Wayne Rooney play against Chelsea on Monday night? yes some part that's not really a yes or a no (laughs) no it'll come off the bench Okay, Uh, you can tweet us your weekend predictions as well I'd love to hear from you at Barclays footy if you want to get in touch but that is just about it for this week my thanks to Matt for his company before we go here is this week's trivia teaser 40 year old Kevin Phillips came on for Crystal Palace against Spurs at the weekend and in so doing became the third oldest outfield player to have performed in the Barclays Premier League can you name The two older players? Well, if you think you know the answer, log on to the Barclays Football Facebook page, tell us what you think, and we will post the correct answers on the site later in the week. Remember, you can tweet us throughout the week at Barclays Footy. We want to know your football stories wherever you are in the world. We will be back next week to look back on all the weekend's action, including a tough first home match of the season for Cardiff against Manchester City and the small matter of Manchester United against Chelsea at Old Trafford on Monday night. But until then, from Matt Holland and me, Marcus Buckland, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays.